0: Bless you. You may be seated. He's a mighty God. Would you like? Hello, everyone. Hi. I love you guys. I miss you. Miss you too. But we're having a great time here at at the hospital. We're having church at the hospital. (laughs) All all the nurses and all the uh, uh, doctors that come in, they can see you worshiping. So worship the Lord. So you better, you know, they're watching. Yeah, they're watching you. (laughs) Yeah, we're out here. All all the Pastor Hospital has you on their monitors. No, I'm just showing you more here. people. Yeah, they have, you know those monitors out in the hall that have the lines? Yes. They've taken that all off and put our church up there this morning, so you better. Yes. Our Yes. Well, I love you guys. We love, love you, Bishop. Bishop. And I'm happy that Pastor is preaching today. Amen. No, no, Ron is. Oh yeah, that's right, yeah. Ron. Come on up. That's right. Ron, that's right. I'm
1: sorry, I forgot. Ron asked, "You ready?"
0: To yeah, he's yeah. ready. He Ron, said he's I see ready. Ron. Where's Ron? Let me look at him. He's right there. Hey, let me look at Ron. He's there. Come on, Ron. You, you told me that you're ready. You, what? You told Bishop that you're preaching this Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that, Bishop? I'm here. huh? <laughs> He said right. he said that you said you were going to be here, so he didn't prepare anything. Uh, okay. Ron, yeah. you're supposed to be in, and st- in, season, in season and out of season. season. Wow, That's that was right. a duet. Yeah. All right. Looking forward right. to mommy preaching this morning. Well, Joe already preached. We love you all. Everything is great and wonderful. We love you. Yeah. Okay. Are you staying with us, Bishop? Okay. Could I have a microphone stand, do you think? Yes. You want a boom? Zachary is booming me. We have boom and zoom. No. I want my microphone. Thank you. (coughs) This is the noise. There. They will. No, this, that was right where I wanted yeah. it. Um. Praise the Lord, Lord everyone. He is First, I want to tell you that we're here this morning to be commissioned to do something okay. by God. So be prepared. I wanted to bring you up to date on a few things before I begin with the commissioning. Bishop, is it all right that I have a commissioning service with you not being here? Go ahead, ahead. okay. All right, I will do that. First, I wanted to give you a report on Cambodia. Uh, The head of a different school, not our school, but another very big school in Cambodia, Another very big school in Cambodia has uh, COVID, what is it, 19, the coronavirus, and so all of the schools in Cambodia are closed now, including ours, of course, and there's a travel restriction. I can't go there. They won't allow people from the United States to go there because Cambodia figures that the virus is kind of winding down on that side of the world and ramping up on this side and they don't want, they're very smart people over there in Cambodia, they don't want Americans coming in and bringing it back and then starting the whole thing over again. So I can't go for at least thirty days and then they'll reassess and decide if I can go then. So. So Peck sent me a very funny cartoon of a bird flying off carrying a little girl, and he said that was him flying me to Cambodia. We'll see how that works out. The other thing I want to tell you about this morning, that was Cambodia. Our church is fine. Nobody in our school has the virus. Everybody's healthy. I think there are only five cases in the whole country. And uh, they're closed down and shut in, and they'll be fine. I'm sure of it. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk to you for another second though about our bishop. He's in the hospital, I guess you figured that out from all of this. And uh, it was a very interesting situation. He, we went to the hospital because <clears throat> he was short of breath and I just wanted to see what the problem was and I called our doctor and he said, Oh, take him for a chest x-ray and that was the last time he ever saw freedom. We went for a chest x-ray and they said, oh, you have pneumonia, you have to stay here. And then another doctor came in and said, oh, no, this isn't pneumonia, you have congestive heart failure, you have to stay here. And then another doctor came in and said, oh, no, no, you don't have congestive heart failure or pneumonia, you have an upper respiratory tract infection. You have to stay here and no matter what they gave him he still had to stay there <clears throat> and then they came back and said well you have a little bit of pneumonia a little bit of congestive heart failure and a lot of this virus and immediately everybody put on ma- wait a minute wait where is it immediately everybody got their masks out put them on he had a virus and they started and i'm not really trying to make fun of them they're doing a wonderful job but they were immediately fearful fear entered the hospital and i'm sure that wasn't the first time fear entered the hospital as it turned out they tested him and he doesn't have the coronavirus he has um, meta this sounds like something from star wars or virus metanumovirus. It has pneumo so it's a little bit of pneumonia. Well, anyway, uh, it is contagious and so people have to wear masks when they go to visit him. At the hospital they only allow one visitor at a time in any room because they don't want crowds bringing the coronavirus in. I don't know if they take people's temperature when they go there or not, but they should start doing that, I guess. But after I was at the hospital and watching these things on television, I realized that we're living in the world the way it would be if there would be no Jesus. The people who don't know him are running around out there doing crazy things. I want to finish my bishop report, though. When we got to the hospital, he said to me, he was looking around at all the people, and he said, I wonder who I'm here for and that was exactly right he was watching for who he was here for it was a very nice young man came into uh... his room and uh, he works there and he was talking to bishop and to me and very kind sweet man and bishop began to prophesy over him he's a christian and because he really really wants to help people he's going to school to become a nurse and Bishop said, Well, that's a really good thing that you're doing, a very high calling to be a nurse, but God has called you to something higher than that. And he continued to prophesy and tell him about the call of God on his life to be a pastor. He said, Don't just run off now and do what I told you, but wait and see what happens. So he was ministering to him. So when when I walked out in the hall when I was leaving, there was another nurse out in the hall. And I saw a nurse number one who's actually a pastor. And this other nurse was out there and she said something about, "Have, have you traveled out of the country? And I said, no, I usually do, but I can't go anywhere. I can't get out. I can't get into the country I want to go to. I'm stuck here. So she asked me about where do I go, and I told her what I do in Cambodia. And she said, oh, that's so exciting. Oh, God is really moving, isn't he? And she was another Christian. So there's a whole pile of Christians over there. I don't know if, did, did he say anything about that other nurse? I don't know if she went in to talk to him or not. I haven't seen him since I talked to her. But the, nurse, the nurses are now beginning to circle around. Because Bishop's there. This is what always happens. He'll probably have Bible study tonight. I'll go over and see what's going on. I guess you're allowed to have however many nurses you want in a room, just no visitors. So he can't have Bible study with us, he'll have to do it with the nurses. In any case, we need to recognize, and this is one of the things that I realized when I was watching Bishop in action again is that he's not there worried about his physical body. He's worried about the spiritual condition of the people around him. And that's what God is calling all of us to do. And that's what I'm commissioning you to do today. When you walk out of this church, don't just say, okay, I put my time in, Sunday's over, I'm going to go home and take a nap. What we're doing is we're the people with the truth, church we're the ones who know how to react to the situation that's going on in the world we can't just sit by and be quiet about it because we're the ones who can help them i mean this kind of craziness you know the gideon family has lots of people that live in their house they've nine people in their family And, hmm? and a dog Yeah, and judah this week i think you never know but anyway i a group that size probably goes through more toilet paper than my family. There are only three of us at home. So when it's time to buy toilet paper, they don't go and buy a roll. They go and buy like three giant packages or something of toilet paper, take it home. Well, can you imagine being at the grocery store, panicked over everything that's going on, Grabbing every kind of sanitizer you can find and throwing it in your cart because you want to sanitize your life. And all of a sudden you see this woman walking by with toilet paper piled up to the sky. <laughs> and fear strikes your heart. I wonder if she got all the toilet paper. She did? Do I need toilet paper? I don't know if I need toilet paper for this. But she got a lot of it, so it must be necessary. So I better go back and get a lot of toilet paper. That's the reasoning that's going on so that people are buying all the toilet paper. I, it's, it's crazy. There's no, unless you wrap your face in to, I don't know what they want to do with all this toilet paper for the coronavirus. But you've got to get it, you've got to get it. And truly, I mean, they told me that at other grocery stores there, were, like, there was no meat, the one that Pastor Gideon went to. And, so I went to my local neighborhood, Giant Eagle, and they had everything. They had hand sanitizer, they had all kinds of wipey things, and all. I, I was just looking. I didn't need them. But I was looking to see what they had. Do you know what they didn't have any of? Toilet paper. I don't understand, but you see, people get crazy. Pastor Gideon was telling me about a woman that he saw near the grocery store where he shops, who just pulled up, almost hit him, abandoned her car, just jumped out of it, and it wasn't even in a parking space, and ran into the store screaming and, and insane. I can't take this. I mean, they're they're driving people, and and when I heard that, and then we turned the news on, which. They were trying to scare you. No, they were saying, above all, be calm. You should have in your house about two weeks' worth of food in case you can't get out. Well, they didn't say that. But now listen, be calm. You need two weeks' worth of food in case you can't get out. What? I didn't know we wouldn't be able to get out. Why, why do I need two weeks' worth of food? You don't. I mean, this is all fear, and immediately when I heard that, I thought that was the, the pit of hell broadcasting network that I just heard, because what Satan is trying to do is take this and make it into the most fearful thing anyone can imagine, and I don't want to make fun of every, anybody for being afraid. If they don't know Jesus, they better be afraid. But what we need to understand, it's not the virus that's going to kill them. They don't need to be worried about what can kill their bodies. Their bodies don't go on for eternity. Their spirits do, and we have what they need, and we need to get it to them. If you had the vaccine for the virus, you would be going everywhere that you could think of to say to them, I've got the answer here. I've got the solution. And you'd be on television and everybody would be all excited about you. Well, what's wrong with this picture? We have the solution. So the churches are closing. We have the solution. So nobody wants to talk to us because we're crazy lunatics. Because the solution that we have isn't the solution that they're looking for. They want something that makes them feel healthy. I've got news for them. They're going to die. So am I, and so are you. I mean, you can keep trying to hold on for as long as you want to. And people pay thousands and thousands of dollars to try to get a couple extra weeks at the end of their life. Oh, give me that newest treatment. No, I don't have insurance, but I'll pay you everything I have if you'll just keep me alive. Why? All they need is to know Jesus, and they can calm down. He hasn't, you read the sign outside of our church, he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. And we need to recognize that. But we need to know where our peace is coming from, and then go and spread that around the world. And don't think when I'm saying this this morning that I mean somebody else. I mean you and me. But everybody is waiting for, for, well, they were waiting for Billy Graham to do it, but now Franklin has to carry it on. He'll do it. Well, there's only so much he can do. He can go help people rebuild houses and pray for them and tell them about Jesus and do all the great things that Samaritan's Purse does. And we're right behind him in all of that. We're sending money to him and doing the things we need to do to help but god has something for you to do right where you are and you need to look around get on your knees before god and say what what can i do you feel very helpless when they come on television with all these scare tactics and say well you know there are going to be a piskillian cases and half those people will die i mean i don't know where they get their numbers they were they were saying on the news last night how many and The person saying this is just a newscaster interviewing another newscaster, right? They are not authorities in anything. And they're, well, how many people do you estimate this will kill? Well, my estimation is, considering that, why don't you call me and ask me? I've got as good an idea as you do. What we need to recognize is that God has a plan for each one of us in this particular disaster. He has each one of us, he has given each one of us a post that we need to go to. And we need to say to him, what do you want me to say? Who do you want me to minister to? Where do you want me to go? And God will lead you places that will surprise you. In fact, he's surprising me right now because I didn't intend to say any of this stuff. But the fact of the matter is that God has an assignment for you. And if you don't show up to find out what your assignment is, and I don't mean show up here. I'm not passing out the assignments. God is. Susan and I started doing a new devotional in the morning. And it said some really great things the first few. We've only done two days of it, so there's a thing for every day. But they begin with telling us that we're supposed to wake up in the morning, And begin to imagine all of the marvelous things that we can accomplish for the Lord that day. And I thought, wow, what a nice way to wake up and imagine all the wonderful things. But then it led me to, in the morning, Lord, this is Psalm 5.3, You hear my voice, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. What are you expecting? I'm expecting to fail. I'm expecting to... No, that's not what he's saying, wait expectantly. He wants us to wait until he gives us this marvelous direction for something that we're going to do for the kingdom of God that we hadn't thought of before. He's going to use all of this stuff that's going on. It doesn't make any difference what the enemy tries to do. God always takes what the enemy means for bad and turns it into good. You watch them them impeach President Trump. His popularity went up because they tried to impeach him. I think that took evil and turned it into good. Every morning, I should think about all the incredible things that I'm going to accomplish that day. And while I'm waiting expectantly, I realize that every day is an opportunity for something amazing to happen. I just have to expect it to happen. So don't look at the virus and go, oh, no. Oh, no. The virus is here. I have to wear the... But Robert just sent us a picture he's getting on an airplane and he had a mask like this on so I put my mask on and his father sent him a picture said well we're going to church (laughs) I'm not saying here's the part that's funny about these masks there is one group that tells me I have to wear a mask if I go in to see my husband then they came in and said no you don't need to wear a mask when you're in here to see him you have to wear one when you leave I said, well, how long do I have to keep it on? (laughs) Well, no one knew, but I would be infecting all of those people out there that are helping him. I'm just doing whatever they tell me to say or to do. But then I turned on television, and there was a doctor on television, and he said, well, if you're sick, you should be wearing the mask. I'm not I'm not sick. So I'm getting ready to throw my mask away until the other doctor comes on and says, well, if you want to be protected, you better wear a mask because there are sick people all around you. I don't know what to do with my mask, so I'm carrying it in my pocket and hoping I find out when I'm supposed to wear it. But I'm prepared. Too often we look at the circumstances, we hear the voice of the enemy trying to instill fear in us, and we forget who we are and we forget who we serve do you know that we have power and authority on the earth yes we do we have power and authority on the earth now i just want you to think back over your maybe your day yesterday did you act all day like you had power and authority on the earth There might have been a little glitch someplace. I'm sure most of you mostly did act that way all day. I get glitches every now and then. But it says in Psalms 1830, this God, I love that, that's in the the NIV, I think it's in the NIV version that they say this God, the God, the only one true God, This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. This means God's perfect. What he does is perfect. And he will perfectly protect you from anything that is going to come against you that would keep you from accomplishing his purposes. Wait a minute, I didn't say he would keep you from getting the flu or the coronavirus or pneumonia or upper respiratory, whatever it is. He want, That's not what he's doing. He's got a higher purpose for you. And it's, I really believe that, I mean, Bishop has outlived a whole lot of his friends. And he's the one who has had more issues that should have killed him in any of them. And he keeps living. Why do you think that is? Because he'll allow God to use him in these awful circumstances. Okay, give me the virus. I'll go to the hospital. I'll minister to this guy. I'll minister to that girl. Or show me who else. He's not worried about his body. He's worried about, and he's not worried at all, but he, his interest is in reaching those people who are lost, knowing that no matter how healthy they keep their bodies for eternity, they're not going to be so healthy if they don't know Jesus. And that has to be our goal. We can't forget who we are. We have to recognize that we're serving a perfect God. Pastor Mahdi said we're not perfect. No, we make some mistakes occasionally. But you know what? We serve a perfect God. And he works through us. And if we will just stop trying to be in charge, he'll do a great job. We need to make a plan, and this is what I'm asking you to do now. Make a plan that every day you can go to him before you get interrupted by the news or any other thing and allow him to give you your assignment. And if the church doesn't do this, then whatever happens in the world, we can't be mad at anybody. We don't get to be mad at the government. The government's not in charge of this. We can't get mad at the president. He's not in charge. He's doing what God gives him to do. And some of the people in Congress are doing what God gives them to do. And some aren't, but they're not in charge. Now, there, there are one of two things will happen if you really trust. In the Lord. Either he's going to take the problem away. You know, you face this pandemic. It's a pandemic now. Okay, it's a pandemic. So am I supposed to be more frightened because it's a pandemic? Okay, it's a pandemic. What am I supposed to do with this pandemic? Am I supposed to be in fear? I'll go and pray. Lord, please remove this pandemic. That's not the way to pray. Lord, I ask that you would show me what my role is in this. How am I supposed to act? What am I supposed to do? And he will either remove the problem altogether, just we'll wake up tomorrow, and they'll give credit to, I don't know, Barack Obama or somebody. If, if tomorrow morning, miraculously, we wake up and nobody has the coronavirus anymore and they can't find it place and they, it's all gone, And they'll find somebody to give credit for it. Yeah, Joe Biden probably. Yeah. Well, anyway, they're going to find somebody to credit with that. But it would be God if that happened. And that's one option. God could do that. He could just, it's done. There's another option we don't like quite as well. He'll give us the grace to go through it. Now, if we recognize that we can go through it, we can stop being afraid. But too many Christians, I'm speaking of Christians now, are fearful right now. I mean, I even saw Pastor Angela buying toilet paper. I mean, she's... (laughs) Did it make you almost want to go take your toilet paper back? Like, I'm not doing this. Sorry, kids. It's... Kleenex and napkins. (laughs) Well, anyway, if God lets us go through it, we have to trust that he has a purpose and there will be something that we get out of it that we need. Now, the problem is we don't necessarily recognize what we need right then. I've lived long enough to know that mostly hindsight shows me what I needed to know. When I look back at something in retrospect, oh, yes. When I went through that thing back in 1978, that's what that was for. Now I know. I didn't know in 1978 why I was going through that. I don't know what it was, but that's just for an example. I do know this, that if you don't do what God gives you to do about a situation, you'll be miserable. Just won't work out so it seems like it comes down to trust God and be happy or don't trust God and be miserable you choose how many of you have chosen miserable I haven't either really but you know we're told in first Peter 5 7 to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us we all know that scripture everybody has said it a thousand times Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. But still, sometimes we forget, just for a minute. I want to give you an example I'll tell on myself. Where Susan works, some days she has to work there till 11 o'clock at night, and then she drives home. And I know that she's safe. I don't worry that she can't drive home by herself at 11 o'clock at night. But one night, it started snowing, and when I was coming home, my car was fishtailing on our road, and our road is, it was just ice, and no matter what kind of car you have, unless you have chains or something, ice makes your car slide. And I thought, I don't think I've ever taught Susan how to drive in the snow. And she's all the way out at McKnight Road and has to come back here. And I was thinking of every big hill between our house and where she was. And trying to think of ways around the hill so that she could come home pretty much on the level. And I was going to call her and give her a map of say, here's where you're supposed maybe I'll drive out there and I'll get her and we'll go back and get her car when it's different. I, I can't let suit. And all of a sudden, in the middle of all of this, in my spirit... I could hear the Lord say to me didn't you ask me to dispatch a heavenly host to surround her when she left here this morning I said I did that and and so we have a problem here I said I have the problem I'm believing the lie from hell because the first thing that happened it started to snow the first thought into my mind was Susan has to drive in this where did that come from that little guy who sits here trying to make me listen to the voice of the enemy so when God said that I went like that and I was finished with that problem but it happens to all of us and in the difficult situations we have to first look to see what we can do and then seek direction from God this is what I mean by that this is coronavirus time and they said don't cough on anybody don't shake hands. Wash your hands all the time. Don't touch your face. Last night I was preaching to Cambodia on, their, on the big screen in the church there. And I said, and they've told us not not to touch our face. <laughs> and then I realized I had just touched mine. <clears throat> President Trump said he misses his face. He hasn't touched it for weeks. <laughs> wonder how you shave without touching your face. Just... I don't know. Anyway, we have to first look and see if there's something that we know that we can do. I can wash my hands. I can take some precautions and when they told us how this virus spreads, okay, I'll do what they're telling me to do. I'm going to be a good citizen. I'm not going to scare other people. But I'm not going to cure the coronavirus by putting hand sanitizer on my hands. But God has a plan where he's using everybody together to get through this. And so I have to do what I know to do and then I have to get to God and find out what's my part in the big plan. Because there are some things, and and I know you know this, that only God can do. We can't solve this problem We can, however, be used by God to solve this problem. I don't know, maybe one of you kids sitting on that row right there might get the idea of how to mix some things together and have a vaccine. Maybe somebody will find out, oh, if you just eat peanut butter and jelly, it goes away. I mean, who knows what what might happen. But that's something that only God can do. God's in charge of this. But the last I noticed, on the earth, he works through people. He works through his people. Guess who you are? His people. We might seem small. This is a small group. He worked with a smaller group than this before and did some pretty miraculous things. But you see, just as that situation with Susan, when I started to listen to that voice from hell... Suddenly, he was like, oh, she's listening. Wait, I got all these things. I could tell her. There are big hills. Can you imagine her go, sliding off that hill in Laurel Gardens down into that deep valley? Oh, that would be terrible. Oh, no one would even know she was down there. She could freeze to death. Would, that's the kind of thing that the enemy would try to tell you if you'll give him your ear. But if immediately you say to him, God didn't give me a spirit of fear, so I know that where this is coming from, get ye behind me, Satan. And instead of men running around without an understanding of how to handle this virus, God will use one man someplace to come up with a cure for it. That's what God does. I want us to recognize that no matter how many foolish things the enemy would give us to do, we have one plan. The thing we can do. Tell everybody about Jesus. Now, don't be crazy. Don't go out in the streets and say, do you know about Jesus? Don't go out in the streets and say to people, you know, there's a cure for this, and it's Jesus. If we run around just doing things like that, Maybe that would work somewhere. But generally, on the corners in Bellevue, probably, they'll just say, oh, there's another one of those people who talks to herself. Shame about her. And they'll leave. But if we can make our case known using wisdom, and God has that wisdom for us. You know, now I've said to you, you're supposed to let people know about the Lord. So now, okay, you've got your orders, you think. I'm running out of it. No, you don't. Your orders are you're on a God assignment, so you go to God to find out what you're supposed to run out the door and do, or stay inside and do, or what you're supposed to pray about. We have a responsibility, and we are being commissioned by God to take care of this problem of this virus. He hasn't given us the job of going out and finding everybody and putting masks on them and giving them hand sanitizer, although some people might have that job. But if we all go and do the same job, it'll be worthless. So God has things for each one of us to do, and the only thing we have to do is what he has given us to do. When there is no understanding the people who don't know Jesus do crazy things. When there is understanding among the people who do know Jesus, there's somebody God can use, to a doctor, a nurse, a teenager, I don't know who. He can use somebody to solve the problem. But if you have to go through the problem, suppose you get it. Suppose you're sick. Suppose you're in the hospital. Everybody doesn't die from it. You might feel awful. You might have an opportunity to tell a lot of people about Jesus. Hospitals are the best places to do that because people are in situations where they feel helpless. And when people feel helpless and they go to the doctor, And the doctor is helpless. Then they turn to Jesus. It's just that simple. Yesterday, and I'll close with this, I was talking with a man at the hospital. And I said, you know, medicine is really good, but it can't take care of everything. And God can intervene and do what he wants to do. And I told him about, I I didn't, say names or anything like that. I said there was a man who died in our church and a person came by and told him spoke to his body and said a prophecy that was told to him earlier that day and the guy (coughs) sat up and coughed and he was okay and the medical professional said well then he wasn't really dead and I said, yeah, he was, he flatlined. I mean, they had the people there with the machine and he flat, it was flatlined and everybody said he's dead. Except there was the one nurse who refused to stop. She had faith and she wanted to bring him back doing CPR. And so she kept doing CPR and the people were saying, just call it and he was saying, and she was saying, no, no, I'm, I wanna do this a little bit longer. I wanna do this a little bit longer. Finally, they convinced her to stop flat line. He said, there must have been a little blip in that line. I said, there was no blip in the line and the guy was dead for 40 minutes. Ah, he wasn't really dead. And I said, yes, he was. But God intervened. That man was a bishop and God needed to use him. And so God got him back up. And they told me he would be brain dead. And he wasn't brain dead. He was listing his medication for the paramedics. I said God can do anything. And we've seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. I've seen, you know, I, and I don't know if Cambodia will see this but that's okay. Art and Tuot in Cambodia got married when about 5 years ago. A while ago, five or six years ago, we married them. It was when Bishop first went back to Cambodia with me and we did a wedding. Anyway, they are so excited they wanted to have a baby. They wanted to have a baby. They wanted to have a baby. One year went by, no baby. Two years, no baby. They don't have all of, thankfully for them, they don't have all these have-a-baby clinics in Cambodia. So... They just wanted to have a baby. And they kept coming and saying, please somebody pray for me. I want to have a baby. I want to have a baby. A baby. Then we were having a, an installation of some... Uh, what, what were we doing that day, Susan? We were installing ministers in training in the church and deacons in the church there. And Bishop Estep was our guest speaker, but he was on the Jumbotron. In the back and he spoke to art and to it and he said that their children would carry on their ministry but they didn't have any children and he knew that they didn't have any children when he said that and then he said oh I, I mean your spiritual children because he wasn't sure he didn't want to be saying you're gonna have a baby he, he didn't know for sure but he had the mind of God. It was only like a m- month or two after that that we found out to it was pregnant. And I just got the most beautiful sonogram from her, she sent to me. It's one of those 3D color ones where you can just really see what the baby looks like. I think they should have sonogram machines stationed around where pregnant women walk so that everybody can see what's in there. And then nobody can say to them, ah, that's nothing, it's just a blob, get rid of it. But anyway, God did something that seemed impossible. And with one word, he made the whole difference. And here comes baby Rachel, she'll be here soon. On the other hand, we just had another couple who had a baby there. They were married for like, nine months and four days or something and there's rebecca so rebecca's here already but what what's happening is that god is showing the church in cambodia look i can do this any way i want i can do it fast you get a baby now i can do it slowly or i can have you adopt some kids we have lots but God has a good plan for everything. Understand whatever he gives you to do, it might include getting the virus. And that's what, when I said, I said that to the church in Cambodia, I said, you might have to get the virus. They all looked at me like, what kind of God is that? And I said, no, no, you don't understand. If he has you do that, he'll give you the grace to go through it. He'll give your family the grace to go through it with you. He'll give you the words to say to them. He'll use it for something good because he does that. All things, remember, work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So our commission in this whole thing is what? Get before God and find out what our part is in it and do it. And don't think, oh, I couldn't do that. Yes, you can. If God gives you something to do, he will also equip you. I mean, he's not crazy. He doesn't say, I'm going to give you this to do. And it's too hard for you. (laughs) And I'm going to have such a good time watching you struggle. That's not the God we serve. God says, I have this thing for you to do, Judah. You came here for some reason. There's something you're supposed to be doing. Pray and find out from God what it is. And then do it. And if you say, I couldn't possibly do that. Yeah, you could. You could. I couldn't possibly, it's not a a phrase that Christians use. I can possibly do anything God gives me to do. Amen? Let's stand. I'm sorry, we didn't hear from the choir today. We'll do it next week when Bishop's back. Yeah. Thanks for coming, Bishop. I thank God that I can bless you. That he gives me that right to do that. And also you're allowed to bless me. The Bible says that we can bless each other. But church, this morning I bless you with an understanding of your part in this particular situation that is going on around the world. Where the enemy thinks he has frightened everybody. And there's a group standing strong, and you're part of it, who's afraid of nothing. And you, church, will have the understanding of what God gives you to do. Do it. I bless you with the courage to do things that seem like they're impossible. I bless you with the courage to speak to a dead man, and he'll get up. That's the kind of courage we need to have. I bless you with that, and I bless you in the name that is above every name. I bless you in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now go in peace. Thank you. I receive it. Bishop would like to say something. Here. I won't say something.